Everybody and welcome to the occasional podcast, Spooky Action at a Distance. I'm your host, Ray Augustinelli, here with my brother Paul Augustinelli and Jeffrey Lawrence Whedon, recording from their homes in parts in the Denver area. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing good. Good to hear yeah. you guys. Fantastic, guys. Yeah, so this is episode four of our uh, rebranded Spooky Action at a Distance podcast and the first to be delivered remotely as we are all in self-quarantine in what we would love to say are the middle to later stages of a public health crisis, but are probably the early stages thereof. On, excuse me, March 22nd, which is uh, about a month after our last uh, episode of this podcast. Um, The topic of today's podcast will uh, surely be uh, the goings on in the country and in the world today as the everybody grapples with the coronavirus and the economic and social and medical impacts thereof. Um, but hey, at the outset, we just have to recognize above all else that the last time we talked about this, which was, like I said, about a month ago, um, there was a lot still unknown, a lot very speculative, and a lot of people were responding to this crisis in different ways. And Jeff, um, you alone amongst us and probably... Um, you know, to some extent, much more seriously than many others across the country, uh, foresaw a, a real drastic impact here to the point where you were, uh, I wouldn't say hoarding, but happy to have uh, had a lot of supplies left over from some of your earlier uh, disaster. <laughs> so, kudos to you. We would love to get your thoughts sort of on uh, how, you, how you're feeling now as somebody who, who sort of correctly um, predicted the direction, the, the dire direction of, of this public health uh, pandemic, and uh, what your thoughts are might be on where this thing goes from here. Um, also, we're just really curious to hear how you guys, how your lives have changed over the last few weeks, and what you, you know, Paul, what you too see, and where we're headed with this. As, as Jeff mentioned a little earlier, um, you, you got a lot wrong in terms of where this may go, but you had, you had a lot of uh, emotional truths and spiritual truths, and so we, we look to you to maybe uh, tell tell the world a little bit about where you see kind of the zeitgeist going with all this. But J- Jeff, what, where are you at? And, and take your victory lap. Yeah, so <laughs> literally the most joyless I told you so moment in the history of the world. Um, and, uh, and so I am happy uh, that, um, that I was able to have some of that, uh, I hope, foresight and wisdom and that sort of thing, but it is, uh, it is the sort of, um, it's crushing. It really is. I, I am very sad for our world and our community. Um, you know, I was, uh, we'll talk just a tiny bit more about it later. I've had some moments where I've been able to, one of the fun things, I love giving gifts, with, which with all of the screwed up parts of my life, that's a pretty cool uh, thing to have. I, I That's just inside of me. And, and to be able to give away, you know, it's like my, my kids, um, uh, we're running out of toilet paper. Hey, who's got toilet paper people? Jeffrey Lawrence Whedon has toilet paper. So, um, and food and, and meds and all that sort of thing, because they live in this little, a millennial Petri dish and, um, and they're getting colds and things like that, or who knows coronavirus, we don't know. Um, and, and yet trying to quarantine and trying to quarantine within, groups of people. I mean, how do you quarantine at home? I mean, you're going to give it to everybody at home. I just on and on and on. So that has been um, fun. 
to be able to help. Um, my elderly parents uh, are currently not needing help, and that's also exciting. Um, but so, you know, I, you talk about where we're going, and, and, uh, and I, I, rather than give a big speech here the, right off the bat, there's two ways I want to address it if it's going to work. And one is through Paul's lens, and, and that's kind of a lens of, hey, listen, if I wasn't uh, right about the scale and scope of this, wasn't I right about the fact that we need to be loving each other and caring for each other, and we need to be focused on community, and because that seems to resonate very powerfully with me, and then... Um, and then Ray, there was a little discussion you and I had yesterday about um, the fact that there's, it, you know, is the cure um, worse than the disease uh, in some of this? I mean, you know, it seems like there's a seems like there's a, a Chinese model and an Italian model. And as much as I love Italian models, <laughs> I, uh, it, the the way the Italians handle it seemed too laissez-faire. It led to all kinds of difficulties. The Chinese model seems to have flattened the curve uh, aggressively and, and worked at least in, on some short term. And yet I'm reading so much about the fact that this, it's not like you quarantine for two weeks or two months and the coronavirus is dead. That's not how it works. It just starts again. Um, and so, you know, we've crippled the world economy. And likely, I hope we'll wind up saving hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of elderly people and and uh, medically uh, risky uh, people who are in uh, medically risky uh, situations, at risk situations, children. Um, but uh, I was reading a lot yesterday, and, and there was just a lot of talk about how that can't work in a free country moving forward. And so, what does that mean? I mean, are we under quarantine for eighteen months? Because honestly, I don't think we can. Of course, we're going to survive. I think physically but I'm not sure we can survive culturally and economically and everything else. And so we have some extremely tough decisions to make in, in a vacuum, which is stunning to me because this is not the world's first pandemic. And yet like every great catastrophe, you know, the book of revelation has this wonderful thing at the end of it where it says, you, no man will know the time or the hour. And you're like of the end of the world. And, and why is that there? I, you know, because certainly one guy, Jeff Whedon's probably going to know, Right. And, and the answer is, is that these things strike us as if they've never happened, like we've never thought about it before. I know there are great people who think about it, but all of that has made me feel very, very frightened. And, and that's maybe a good launching point for Paul, because, you know, this is a very fear-based thing for me. And it has been very joyless. I have some funny stuff to talk about later. Uh, but, you know, I think we are in for uh, months and months of... Uh, uh, social distancing, I think probably more than more like a year and a half of social distancing. Um, I'm not quarantines and things like that. My hope is that that winds up being months. Um, I don't think that can be done in weeks. I do not. I love Trump's 15 day plan, but it is aspirational in the uh, with a capital A. Um, and so anyway, those are my initial thoughts. Thanks for allowing me to know. Uh, but I'm uh, anxious to hear from you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Paul, what's your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, yep. Paul, you're going to have to. Okay, I was, I was muted. I was muted to let Jeff go because he has earned the talking stick for at least a while with his prognostication from a few weeks ago, last month, I guess. And, and it was, you know, it was a very prescient view that you had, Jeff, and I, I definitely did not share the, the, fear of uh, concern with, with the widespread disruption that we're experiencing. And I think you were looking through the eyes, not, not 
really of only a fear, although I think the bunker speaks to some of that, <laughs> but with the eyes of concern <laughs> that, hey, you know, people are going to be in, in a tough place. Um, and that was, that was the primary view you had, and that was driving your vision. So uh, I'm not going to do any more prognosticating. That's, that's <laughs> for Jeff. That's for Jeff to do, and we'll continue to listen to him on that. Um, but I do, I guess what I see here is, I mean, just, just personally to share, yeah, my life has been disrupted. It's been very, um, it's been very crazy. Um, we were expecting Aria, my, my partner's children, to come down for spring break from Montana. And for that not to happen, it was heartbreaking to have that distance, to be distant from my parents who are out in Connecticut, Ray, and my mom with COPD, which is a pulmonary uh, condition and at very high risk, um, and without having the ability to, you know, be just be in person in those situations has been um, very, very profound, you know, very tenderizing, I guess, is, is a way to put it. My, um, my social interactions, you know, I mean, I gotta say, it's not that, the, the disruption to my everyday life in, in a way isn't that big. Um, I was been, I've been working at home, I've been writing and I've been doing virtual, virtual sessions with people. Um, so un unlike you guys who are out in the work world more, um, I haven't been that way so much. So it's more of an internal kind of process for me, which, which my life has always been. And uh, it's, just, it's just a bit more of that, <laughs> which is, uh, there's a lot of benefit to that. And, and I think that's what I want to say is that th th this is, I think, a, a real opportunity for us to, to go inside, to spend more time alone, to slow down, to really feel and see what's important to us. And that's no <clears throat> doubt at the individual and family level that that's the case, definitely coming through, but also at the societal level too. You know, as the, the, uh, the, the illness is, is a, you know, it's a medical problem and we have our knowns and our known unknowns and our unknown unknowns and all of those things, and we have really smart people who are addressing themselves to that, the epidemiologists and whatnot. Um, and that's, that's fantastic. Um, but, but we, so we have a medical emergency that is overlaid with a social emergency and an economic emergency, crisis, I should say. Those are probably the right words, crises. So, you know, the social, the social crisis kind of has its own dynamic to it, and, and the medical crisis is only a part of that. And the economic crisis is related to the medical crisis, but there's also other aspects of our <clears throat> economic system that are being revealed. The word apocalypse means revelation. You, you said the book of Revelation, Josh, Jeff, right? So, you know, yeah, this is an apocalyptic situation, but it's also a revelatory situation where I think we're revealing the aspects of economic systems that are not resilient enough to handle stressors like this and probably, you know, have been not quite on or wholesome, you know, for many years anyway. So I think it is a huge opportunity for us to sort of reset our social and economic patterns, systems, the way we live our lives in those systems in a way that, um, you know, is hopefully more wholesome. And I, I'm hopeful for that, but I'm also scared that our collectives maybe aren't going to uh, handle it that way. And there could be more fear-based actions and more, you know, all sorts of craziness going on too. So I, I'll leave it at that. I, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's an amazing time. 
Uh, it is, yeah, rare times indeed. I, my life too has not been as drastically affected day to day in that I work for a tech startup and we uh, do a lot remotely already. We're sort of built to be productive um, and we're in a, a space whose, uh, whose economy is not necessarily uh, directly going to be impacted. So, um, um, so it's just similar to what you were saying, Paul, I think there's a, um, there's a, there's a, a difference in, in what I find, how I'm thinking about uh, what I should, my personal reactions and the changes in my personal behavior, and then any sort of judgment or prognostication around what this holds for larger society and what others should be doing. It's, it's sort of a different lens that I have to, I think, apply to those different contexts. And when I think about myself, it's, uh, it's really uh, comes down to only a certain amount is under my control, right? Um, this thing is so large, it's so fraught with uncertainty, um, that really to try to uh, think about specifics um, is, is not foolhardy, but it's, uh, it's, it's extremely limited. When I think about myself, it's what's under my control, my emotions to some extent, <laughs> and my behavior to a large extent. So that's the, that's the things where I'm brought back to control the things within my control, where my body is, what my behavior is, um, and then just try to control my emotions. And this is to your point about feet, you know, kind of where, where fear might take you, where uncertainty might take you. Um, you know, it's going to take you to deep, dark places potentially in the same way that over optimism may lead you down paths of, you know, foolhardiness as well. So really just try to balance those things. Well, let me, uh, can I take us in another direction here a little bit after I reflect a tiny bit? Sure. So, um, for me, I didn't talk about my everyday. My everyday is very different in that the courts are closed. Um, and so I'm a trial attorney and so I'm in court um, at usually about twice a day. I try to be in courts in the morning once and then the afternoon, sometimes much more than that. Um, I was in court last on Monday and it was, it was terrifying and surreal um, to be in a room where we're all supposed to be being very careful and there's 80 people in a room and there's a mentally ill guy in the back eating an orange, sloppily eating an orange. So there's just stuff flying everywhere. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. And uh, normally that would be that would be an image that might make you laugh or gross you out a little bit. But in this, I, I felt a almost a like a mortal dread, right? With just literally drops being flung into the air, and uh, and knew that the judge is not going to allow their staff and them to be exposed to this for very long. And that was the last day we were in court. So things are being set out until um, May, June, July. I, I've had court cases continue to July. Um, and so that's what some people are doing. Um, and it's been very slow and kind of terrifying, like everybody else you're worried about. It, is my business model as a commercial entity going to work in the future? Not just the short-term future, but long-term future. Is this all done? And I have signed up clients and thing, but things are radically different. And, you know, you, I don't want to say, I, I'm very resistant to say that things have changed forever, um, but they really might have. And, and, uh, and I like Paul's idea that, Hey, great. You know, there's, there's ways we can change forever that are going to be really, really make us all more whole and complete and, and uh, happy and healthy. And, and so um, 
at the very beginning of this uh, podcast, Ray had some kind of cough and you do that occasionally. It's a Ray thing. And it's like, it, it means something different now. You know, it's like, uh, I rode, um, near, near last week, Tommy and I went to union station. We, we were, we were trying to follow a little bit of the Paul playbook where he was talking about after nine 11, uh, Bush comes out and says, bye, bye, bye. And we were like, listen, we have jobs and we want people to be employed and we need, we need to extend a little bridge. So we're going to, you know, cause I've got all the food in the world, but we, we were like, we'll go to snooze and we'll have breakfast, which is so funny because that's going to be seen as such a horrific choice. Um, and we were trying to do social distancing, but the idea that we were, <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. You tried to hide that because uh, the people at home did not see Ray mute a cough very wet disease laden cough um but uh i just wanted to share that with the people sorry about that right um that's quite all right i'll explain it in a second and we had the we had the loveliest uh time there was a, a young lady who was you know about six feet away and she's visiting and she's kind of stuck in the city and and um and so there was this wonderful communal moment that um was probably a terrible idea you know what i mean and, and so now there's a, there were really exploring all of the takeout options. Um, and, uh, and there's, uh, there's um, a, a restaurant we really like called Oceaneer near us that we ordered dinner the other night, but now they're selling like, Hey, here's a super fancy state, a surf and turf dinner uncooked. It's boxed up all clean. We send it to you for, and you cook it. Um, I love that idea. And then uh, there's a, a art place called Ceramics in the City. And you can buy a little bucket from them for like 20, 25 bucks and do ceramics at home. I mean, I know that this is in many ways kind of pitiful, but it's my small attempt to try to keep people employed, try to help out. How do we connect? How do we stay um, you know, entertained and all of those sorts of things? So I was going to get into um, the idea that, you know, we've become a nation of hypochondriacs, too. I was a hypochondriac way before you bastards. <laughs> Again, I was way ahead of the curve on this. But is it funny? And I wanted to ask you guys, because I don't know if this is true, but I suspect it is that now every sniffle you get and every time you cough and this and that, do you not feel like, oh, my God? I mean, do you have some of that feeling? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm fortunate that my my partner is really up on immune boosting, immune system boosting, uh, various things, elderberry syrup and CoQ10 and and mushrooms, and we're doing a whole bunch of stuff, and uh, we've been we've been feeling pretty good without too much of that. But uh, yes, it's it, the imagination just takes off. And Ray, you were kind of alluding this to this too. I can't I can't stop you know imagining what things mean we're going I look at my cat and it's like Lupe that doesn't have a problem at all all of this right it's like where's the food coming from where is the ray on just like it's ever been and she just doesn't have the capacity to imagine what the different options are I so much want to be like her but I cannot as a human stop myself from doing that um, what I can do is sort of be aware of what I'm doing and then and, and in some way, maybe even imagine into, well, it could be this, it could be that, it could be, it could be a thousand things. But boy, yeah, Jeff, cannot stop speculating. Uh, I agree. I mean, I feel like I've um, become much more uh, hypochondriacal uh, in the last few days with some reason, actually, but I am much more aware of the coughs that I do have. 
Um, and uh, I, I feel like I'm much more prone potentially to dire effects were I to catch this. And that, that does connect back to the fact that I do have an autoimmune condition. And so in some ways, I fall into the high-risk category, uh, depending upon how that's defined. They talk about those with compromised immune systems. Um, the science of it is a little bit complex, so I won't go into it now. But... Um, you know, I am on immunosuppressant drugs, targeted immunosuppressant drugs, which may in fact make me um, at higher risk than somebody uh, even of my age, which is a little bit more advanced as all of ours, uh, all of our, uh, you know, we're in our 50s, you know, we're not in our 60s or 70s. So I, I, I am hypersensitive both to the risk going forward and to the, the coughs that I have, whether it's like, holy cow, do I have this thing? Um, I was in Mexico, actually, when this started to accelerate in the United <laughs> States. Both my wife and I contracted a pretty serious cough. And we were quite concerned that we wouldn't be allowed back into the country. Uh, <laughs> we were, you know, at, at that point, they were asking people whether you travel to uh, China or Iran. They weren't asking about Italy at that point just yet. And um, which we hadn't been. So, you know, we didn't have to lie or, you know, we wouldn't have lied, but um, they weren't taking temperatures or anything like that. And we didn't have a temperature, but we had, and we didn't have the shortness of breath, but we had the dry cough, you know, according to this. And it was like, holy cow. And in Mexico uh, right now, they're not testing widely. It's not um, that big of an issue. Maybe it is now more advanced, but it wasn't at the time. Um, and, um, a lot of people weren't necessarily taking it particularly seriously. So we sort of sailed back through the border, but the concern was there. Um, and in fact, I, I immediately kind of went, in, I didn't go into work and sort of considered myself early to go into a self quarantine. And I've really left the house on very limited occasions in the past couple of weeks, partly due to the fact that um, I did have that cough. I still have a little bit of it, um, but it's maybe more of a Ray thing than a, uh, than a, a viral thing. Um, probably just a regular cough. Um, I looked into what it would take to get tested. And because I didn't qualify, you know, that I was just being said, you, you're not, you know, you should not pursue getting tested. But I've, I've uh, sort of taken the the philosophy, which I uh, some of the, you know, folks on the news and whatnot are advocating this, which I think is sound, which is assume you have it, you know, act in such a way as if you are a vector for the disease. And if everybody acts that way, that's going to be part of the thing that diminish it, you know, flattens the curve, as they say. So, well, can Ray, I, I just wanted to say real quick, Ray, you, do, you probably don't qualify for the test, as you said, but you do qualify for early access to Lucky's Market, which applies to older people and high risk, including those with compromised immune systems. So get in there at 8 a.m. Uh, that's actually good to know. Uh, <laughs> if we get to that point, I, did, I had heard that they were letting uh, older people into Whole Foods and some other grocery stores. So, you know, if it comes to that, I guess I'll take advantage of that. <laughs> Let me riff off that, guys, because I have uh, some uh, prepping pro tips for everyone. You ready for that? Please. Bring now, it listen, on. There was, there was a day, <clears throat> this was over a month ago, we're on our phones. There was a little thing that said the World Health Organization has named um, the uh, coronavirus a, I believe it was pandemic, but it, it might have even been epidemic. And in that day, that day, that second, I went out to stores and that sort of thing. And they were empty and this and that. So I've been doing this lunacy for a long time. And, uh, and I like going to, especially King Supers down near me, 
Um, there's a little, I, I'm a cheapskate and it's like, you know, retail therapy should be done like at a Neiman Marcus or a Macy's or something. And I like going to the dented can aisle at, at King Supers, um, which probably says a lot about me. Anyway, I've spent a lot of time at these places. Um, oh, and one other little thing is that I want people to be really, really thoughtful about this because it's going to keep our communities employed. It's like edible, edible arrangements. You can buy like a, um, a, uh, a basket of fruit and have it sent to your elderly parents or something like that for like 20 bucks. And, and so there's a lot of this out there and I hope we get better at saying, Hey, keep these people in business if at all possible, but back to my pro tips. Are you ready? Yeah. So I went on Facebook and I was telling people a little bit of kind of the gospel of Paul, which was like uh, our Paul, Paul Augustinelli. And, um, and it was, uh, it was like, listen, go out and buy like crazy. And I have never been punched in the face so hard on Facebook in my life. I think it's because people were conflating the idea of buying lots of stuff with hoarding. Um, and, and my point was not to buy all of the toilet paper. It was to buy a basket of stuff and full of, full of everything. I think the, the current rules they have in place, like, hey, you really should only have like two of things, it, even if there's, if you need it. You know what I mean? Try to do that. Come back later. And if there's more, take two more. Um, and then, uh, and so I buy that. And then what was I also going to tell you guys? Oh, go early in the morning. That's when they restock things. Okay, people. And then, and I was going to say, and you've already said it, some stores have an elderly hour at the beginning of the day, which is great policy, but just go after that. Um, or if you're right, go at that time. <laughs> and, then, um, and you know, it's at this point in time, um, like here's another thing is that, People are so angry and there's so much fear and anger wrapped up in all of this. Right. And in this, you know, that there's these horrible people buying toilet paper and this sort of thing. And, and I, and I'm sure that there's a lot of, of, of self-loathing for not being aware enough to get some of this stuff yourself. I mean, we've, we've known that this is a epic world changing thing now for more than a month and, and, and even longer than that, if, if we were prescient enough. And so I, you know, I, the, the, I want to tell this, this is, I wasn't going to share this to anybody. This was just going to be my little thing. So you guys ready for this? Oh yeah. There's never been a time, never once in the weeks that I visited. And I, I sometimes would, would go every other day before we were told to socially quarantine. There's never been a time, including yesterday that Walgreens did not have toilet paper on the shelves. And, and I want to segue into that a little bit because I have a little bit of conspiracy talk here. And that is, is that, I'm really, I think this one thing that will come out of this is we will truly understand for the very first time in some meaningful way that media does not, is not our friend. They're there to make money and they make money by trafficking in fear and in and, 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 and the sensational. And I know that that's not brand new, but I think it's new to us in a way that we need to really desperately look at. It's that there are no stories about all the stuff on the shelves. At Walgreens, you can buy isopropyl alcohol. You can buy hydrogen peroxide at 3%. But the isopropyl at 91%. You can get toilet paper. There's tortilla, there's tortilla chips and ice cream and bread and butter and jelly. And on and on and on. And so, um, you know, there's, there's so much that's out there. And yet, I would imagine you guys have never heard any of that. And it just, you know, it's just got this, it's like this, Moscow, 1980s Moscow supermarket shelves, you know, where there's nothing there. Anyway, so I want to inject a tiny bit of that positivism that we will all get more clever like this. We will all be a little more, um, you know, resourceful in that sort of thing. And, and 
not just for myself. Like I said, I was, I went in one day because my kids were out of toilet paper and they just, they're not a, they didn't get any. And I ran down to, to, uh, I ran down to the store and got some. So anyway, you know, it's, it's fun at this point in time for me because I've got so much crap. It's like, I'm getting is like chocolate and steaks and, and, uh, and here's another, um, and I can show it to you guys. I know the podcast won't see it, but here's a nice little discovery of my Jeffers Creek bourbon. Mm. <laughs> but this is at Argonaut and it's like, it, it's an enormous, enormously inexpensive bourbon. It's a perfect apocalypse bourbon. So I just wanted to give you guys that. And I think everybody should know it's also a fairly large bottle. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, it is apocalypse-sized. Yes, uh, apocalypse sure. edition, yes. Now, you guys want to riff? Do you want to riff off or ask any uh, pro tip questions about hoarding? And and it's not fair to call my stuff hoarding because, again, I, I limit myself. Um, I don't have uh, – I have not bought masks and that sort of thing because I had them from SARS and MERS and Ebola. So, so don't look at me when you can't find it. Well, okay, so just in terms of what you would recommend, so we would like to prepare, like buy two of everything was one thing, and then... No more than two, no more than two, my no point is... Two. So that's a, a responsible uh, prep, but not a panicked prep, and then the bourbon was the, the second one. So what are, what are other specific pieces of advice you could give our listeners, Jeff, that would serve well, them well? I think it's I think it's a fun party game, and I, I, maybe it uh, it puts the F word in fun. But um, uh, is is that there's, there's not one kind of there's not one kind of prepper. There's there's uh, you know it's like if you have a go bag, it is going to be a Rorschach test into who you are as a human being. And there's the, um, the this is my favorite prepper is kind of the hurricane prepper where you have a 72 hour loss of electricity and and. Uh, and um, power and that sort of thing. And that's a fun prepper. You know, you've got a little electric fan because it's going to be too hot. And, you know, <laughs> there's a hopefulness to that sort of a thing. You've got some food and water. There's the nuclear bag, which has iodine and, and you know, guns and that sort of thing. And there's the sort of zombie apocalypse thing that is sim similar to that. I think that we should all go to the Red Cross website, the, the, US, the United States where at Red Cross. And they have what we're supposed to have in our houses on hand at all time. And if you have that, you are prepped for almost everything on earth. You should have a radio. You should have two weeks of food and water. You should have, um, uh, you know, I, I always, to, to try to, to chase away the demons of fear regarding nuclear stuff, I like to have iodine tablets because that's a remarkable way to at least address if there's still going to be a world after that, that you're not going to be radiated. And then I like to have some things that are, you know, I have a little, I have, I try to have a book that's, that's lovely. I try to have in my go bag. I try to have, um, you know, the, the Coast Guard rations are, are the best way to keep food. So these are, um, these are things that you like keep in a life raft. So they're coconut based. And then, um, and so that's some of them. That's some of the basics. That's great. But for our stuff, I want people to buy meal prep stuff because, um, because really there's time for us to make, we don't have to eat canned generic spam. That's great to have if you're in that case like me, but really the stuff I'm buying is 
pastas and um, and sauces and things like that where my wife is really enjoying actually making some inexpensive meals that are some of the best meals I've had in months, right? And so we just are enjoying that communal piece of it together. I'm a, I'm an introvert, man. So I, I was, I've been in, I've been sheltering in place for 52 years. <laughs> and it's, it's my wife. It's my wife that's losing her mind. <laughs> and we are working together in the same place. We have a, a little, a wonderful little place on the 27th floor in, in the spire and um, I'm in heaven, and I can just see her going out of her head. How are you guys handling it? Um, should I jump in, Ray? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, fortunately over here, me and Aria are both introverts ourselves. So we're both kind of like, this is cool. Okay, we're cool. Uh, but I do wonder what you, what you said, the go bag, you know, what it says about you. So we about how that how that panned out. But so ours, which Aria did the shopping and I was totally on board with, uh, a bunch of frozen vegetables, eight to 12 tins of sardines, eight to 12 tins of tuna fish, and a whole bunch of elderberry and herbal immune system support. And that's, that's really the, the gist of it. <laughs> no toilet paper, <laughs> no paper towels. <laughs> listen, listen, we spent the vast majority of human history without paper, uh, without toilet paper. You guys are gold. To be honest, it was conscious. She said, come on, if it comes down to that, we'll use a washcloth and, wa and wash it off. So it was, yep. Yep. it was cool. But so here's the thing. I did want to give you a plus one to like that recognition about the media system and what they are incented to put out there. Fear messages, changing news, check back in, check back in, check back in. I mean, even the news sources that you and I like and respect um, do that. They, that's, that's how they're wired is to do that. Um, and it's really pernicious, and it, and it has in this situation, it can have an extremely pernicious effect. And the thing is that, okay, there is something happening, and then there's all of these layers of interpretation of what's happening over and over from various people and various systems and various voices, including the medias. And we have to be really careful about understanding exactly what's going on in ourselves in our families, in our communities, get real about that without buying into whole, whole hog any story that anybody else is laying on you. It's all, a, it's a story. I'm not saying it's not true, but, but the, the world that's created from what they're sharing with you is, is their thing. So here's my example, and it doesn't, it doesn't reflect necessarily well on us, but Arya's son, uh, older son Carl who lives with us he works at the nearby market a few blocks away so we actually have a really right to the horse's mouth insight into the supply chain and things that are coming out how people are behaving and how they're buying and he calls us it was last Saturday and he says we didn't get our shipment in today this is so today so this is eight days ago we didn't get our shipment in today supply chains breaking down get in here <laughs> okay <laughs> so he says that and we're like and i'm i'm like wait a second there's no reason for the supply chains to fucking break down there's no right. reason for that and and at this moment i'm like okay i've got information coming in that that's the case are they gonna get supplies for another week or two when's the next time so I, i'll be honest we went we did a what i think was a conscientious shop it was one basket full of stuff with with things and I, I like grabbed that second can of beans but only because there were four more cans still on the shelf 
you know, I was conscientious about all that. <laughs> and then, okay, and, and now, so now I'm going to fast forward to three days ago. And he goes, oh, um, yeah, not only are, is our shipment coming in tomorrow, but we've got an extra shipment coming in this week because it's catching <laughs> up on the stuff that wasn't available during the surge a week ago and everybody panicked. So, you know, it's a real, it's a lesson learned. And I think it's, you know, I think it's important not to panic and just to, just to be real about what you have and what you need. That's a that's a great. I was wondering about that um, remark that Carl made because you had shared that with me last week or a few days ago, um, and I was, uh, I, I, I they worried me, <laughs> and it was like wow that these fears around um, you know the, the supply chain is breaking down. <laughs> it's looking like it's getting some validation here from somebody on the inside. Now I I thought okay this is a guy in his 20s probably doesn't have a full perspective and it turns out to be not very true because I had heard from other evidence that it it's the overreact uh, overreaction that's bearing the shelves and listen wait till tomorrow morning and things will be restocked uh, um, along those lines a, a co-worker shared an anecdote with me about um, a grocery store down in Denver King Supers where essentially the meat uh, bin was empty and a person came out from the back and brought sort of a whole crate or like a whole tray, essentially, of probably 30 pounds of chicken breasts. And a woman came over, picked up the entire tray, put it in her cart, and went to check out. Uh, <laughs> it's like completely insane, complete overreaction. Um, to the point about the the sort of media reaction, I'll also give a plus two then on the fact that it's it's unfortunate that uh, you know, most of the mainstream media is wired into uh, sensationalism, you know, it being part of how they are built to function at this point is to essentially take fear as, you know, it, it's something that works to their advantage, you know, essentially, because the more people are afraid, the more people tune in, right? So it's it's something that is just part of the the uh, the the, the uh, vicious cycle of sort of media production and consumption now. Um, and I do think it's interesting. It's not just the media. I mean, Carl's rea overreaction, you're sharing that with me, my inclination, uh, which I stop, but to, but to share that with others, that's, it's how these ideas spread, how the memes spread, right? <laughs> sort of disinformation, um, particularly pieces of information that people are prone to, you know, panic with or, or to overreact to. So the fact that our, our media, both mainstream and non-mainstream, just the culture we live in now, serves to amplify, right? It's the thing that we've been observing, you know, with regard to the po political information slash disinformation and everything else. So now those same very unfortunate effects about the acceleration of information and the amplification with an emphasis on the, po on the negative is, is serving a, a great disservice, actually. It's, it's is a very negative thing in this time, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that, uh, yeah, what do you think, Jeff? So, so, and you know, I think that the fascinating thing about all of this sort of thing is that, is that Carl was not even, even wrong in the sense that he was, he was right, but just in a, in a, he's too, he was too close to it. His sample set, his data was too small. And, uh, and that oftentimes happens. If you go to the store and you see empty shelves in King Supers, it is going to fill you with preternatural dread. It's not evolutionary, but it's something, 
right? I mean, you are like, shit, that is not, that does not make my heart happy. It is so idiosyncratic that it makes me very, very scared. And I think that that's where we do need the perspective. We do need some time. You know, the people on Facebook who are crushing me were saying, go out and buy lots of stuff. <clears throat> you know, one of the things they were saying is, and by the way, you know, all this stuff is made in China and this and that. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that, hey, listen, we are all either either excited globalists or reluctant globalists at this point in time. I think that, you know, people like this is the death of globalism. Bull crap. I mean, globalism, I'm not a huge fan. But the fact of the matter is, is that the benefits are, are unbelievably good for the world. And interestingly enough, I think short term, it's been tough on America, but it's better for the world. It really is. And, and yes, in times of crisis, nations are going to act in their own best interest. So that's scary. We got to be careful. You know, we, we have to have our own self. But, you know, Kimberly Clark is in, is in the United States company that manufactures all over the world. And a Clorox is a United States company that, um, that, again, manufactures some here and some all over the world. So you can be both. You can be a patriot and a globalist and buy good stuff from good people. And that is going to be enormously helpful. But I like the idea of us speaking that truth and that speaking that that life into our friends to say, dear friends, you know, it, listen, the supply chains are not yet broken. You know, this is not something where the bridges are out and we can't get stuff. There's, we might get there, but I don't see that. You know that I, I tend to have a very, very dire view of a lot of this stuff. And I don't think there's ever going to be a time. In fact, in a few weeks from now, the biggest problem is going to be, you know, there's, listen, every distillery in the world in, in less than a week is going to be making and sanitizer. Most of them are making it right now. Um, and, uh, and all the perfumeries in France are making hand sanitizer and those types of products. And in the, in, you know, in, in the pandemic and uh, in 1918 and uh, World War II, um, a lot of our industry first started out in a way that was, uh, I think, a very heartfelt thing where we could not manufacture penicillin. And so we would have, you know, in the United States, we had enough for one guy to have 24 hours of penicillin. We gave it to him. He bounced back remarkably. And then we ran out and he died. Um, and, and we went from there to being able to come up with these vast improvements and all this kind of stuff. And, and I don't think it's going to come from Yemen. It's not going to come from communist countries. Honestly, it's going to come from um, in entrepreneurial countries. And there's going to be a very exciting, it's not, maybe not in a month. And I know it's very disappointing. But three months, six months from now, there's going to be some amazing stuff that's come out of this where we will have the ability to have masks to all of the hospitals in the world in very short periods of time. I'm impressed with the, um, the Kaiser vaccine seems to be um, uh, progressing well in trials um, <clears throat> and the testing kits went from weeks and weeks to now it's, it's a, a matter of hours. And, and believe me, it didn't happen yesterday. I know that it's too late in so many ways, but I'm actually very encouraged by a lot of that. And so you guys can riff off that, or I can tell you about the terrible COVID-related injury that I recently sustained. It's your choice. <laughs> injury. Okay, so I'm a, I'm, I have all of these go bags above the Murphy bed, and I've had them forever. And my children, and, and they're meant for my children and for me and my wife. And so I've been collecting them. So there are power bars in them. We, we just discovered this this week because I'm doing inventory and everything. And I've been meaning to do it forever. I had planned a big party. We were going to watch 28 days later. And then this catastrophe struck. So it screwed us up. 
And so I am, it's in the morning and I'm kind of hustling and my little uh, Murphy bed, we call it the nap cave in there because I have a, a, a it's my superpower is the ability to nap uh, in exceptional ways. And one thing that happens, the mattress kind of creeps a little bit. So I've got big bags. I take my right foot. I step on the edge of the bed, which is no longer the edge of the bed. It's just a mattress that doesn't have anything underneath it. I fall. And so it's what? It's a 18 inch, 24 inch fall. Turn my ankle hard, crash into the bookcase, canned goods all over the floor. And I, I, I twist my ankle very, very badly. Maybe broke a bone in my foot, according to this doctor. I'm not going to the, the hospital right now. But the point is, is it was, it was kind of a miracle because if you saw it, it was the most ass over tea kettle moment <laughs> in the history of the world. And for me not to have been hurt very, very badly was an incredible miracle. But it's, it's fascinating what that does at that moment because the first thing I could, I was, I was going, please God, don't let anything be bad because I, I just so desperately did not want to go to the hospital. Not because I didn't want a broke leg, broken leg, not because I was worried. I was just like, Oh dear, sweet Jesus. I do not want to have to go out and spend uh, uh, three days in a hospital. And, and what a crazy reaction to being hurt. Right. It's, and so it turns out that I'm not hurt that badly. And, and, you know, uh, in a few weeks I'll be back to normal, but, Every part, even even something that's just that quick a reaction, has been somehow infected by coronavirus, and we're going to find that in every part of our lives, you know. Um, and can I can I go to the uh, the change of our lives with streaming? Yeah. So are you guys streaming a lot? Because we used to stream a lot. Now we're streaming all the time. We're, we're oh, doing yeah. a little bit more. So, uh, I'm 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 doing a ton more. We you know I run meditation group. And so we stream every morning, our, our group streams in for meditation, and then we have big gatherings and at other occasions with a bunch of other people streaming in. I'm going to go to a ceremony right now. I'll be leading a ceremony and I'll have people streaming in for that. And, uh, and oh yeah, we are wrapping up. So let me try to, let me try to give you, leave you with some of these thoughts because I did, it was my birthday on the 20th and, um, and we did, and I was feeling a little sorry for myself because I was a little depressed and a little stir crazy. We had a little happy hour with some friends and it sounded like the dumbest thing in the world. It was done with, you know, I'm, we're doing this with Ring Central and Zoom. And um, it was so lovely. And they had banners up in the background and hats on and they drawn up a bunch of stuff. And, and we can do a lot because I, 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 it was such medicine to me. And I thought that that was going to be the dumbest thing in the world. It was just spectacular. About uh, one thing that I wanted to leave you with comedy and some of those sorts of things. We're watching, trying to watch some stand-up comedy. And um, stand-up, comedy has such a shelf life. It's so short. I watched Eddie Murphy's Delirious, which I consider, you know, maybe I, I would have considered kind of on the Mount Rushmore of stand-up comedy specials. It is so dated. It is, it's uncomfortable to watch. Um, I, I'm not the most woke person in the world, but it was hard to watch. It was painful. And, uh, and so um, the last thing I want to hit you with is, is, is like you talked about the young man who thought about the supply chain. And it's a little bit about deniers because I have, I have coronavirus deniers in my family that are essentially saying this is all overblown. We shouldn't do any of this. And, and, and it's because there's a grain of truth. And that is, is that the most of us are not going to be hurt by it. <clears throat> most of us are going to get what's the equivalent of a mild to, to serious cold. But the problem is, is it's potentially going to kill millions of our mothers and our fathers and our grandfathers and our grandmothers. And, and I think Ray said it um, that was enormously important is, is that let's all act like we have it and be really, really prudent and careful 
and let's try to have a heart of love and a heart of openness and and like Paul said to recognize the fear but just to just to speak it and then to to move on I think those are uh, that's what I'm going to take out of talking with you guys those are great great words to uh, live by and great words to uh, end with um, and uh, take your uh, anti-suggestion to go back to old comedy at this point uh, at face value as well. So, yes, <laughs> some of it's great. Some of it's great. <laughs> yeah, entertainment of choice will not be old comedy stand-ups. <laughs> well, right. I love you guys. I, I'm so grateful for you trying to make this work. It's a fun experiment for us to try to connect, and and uh, it's it's not lost on me that we're getting together faster with this than we normally do together. And I absolutely love it. So guys, please stay safe. Ray, my heart, my thoughts and prayers, which rest with both of you all the time are, are especially with you during this time. I'm, uh, you continue to take good care of yourself. Okay. Will indeed. Thanks for the thoughts and uh, right back at you. I love you guys. And uh, we will, uh, I think since situation, the, the situation on the ground is evolving so rapidly. I, I can see us getting together uh, more frequently as well to just reflect upon the world as we do. Um, yes, yes. Send our, our, our thoughts and words out to the world, to whoever might be uh, interested, uh, entertained as, as, as it may be. Final right, words, Paul? Yeah. You? Yeah, you're yeah. off to your ceremony. I'm off to the ceremony. Love you guys. Stay safe, especially you, Ray. Compromise. Jeff, happy birthday. <laughs> and, you know, on the positivity side, there's reports of, like, porpoises and wildlife and birds coming back into habitats that have been temporarily perhaps vacated by human activity. Um, so maybe some cool stuff happening in the midst of the slowdown and the space that we're all experiencing. Love it. Love it. Great. Right. See you guys soon. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.